Wake up, America. It's Morning Air with John Morales. Si, senor. Sarah Tafoya. Hey, that's my mom. And Glenn Leverins. Bringing the light of Christ to start your day. This is Morning Air. <laughs> on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. It's Monday, January 8th, 2024. Good morning and welcome back to another edition of Morning Air on the Feast of the Baptism of the Lord. I'm John Morales, along with Glenn Leverins and our studio producer, Sarah Tafoya. It is great to be with you this morning here on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app. I can still say Merry Christmas for one more day. I hope you had a wonderful weekend and a blessed Sunday yesterday on the Solemnity of the Epiphany of the Lord. Today, the Catholic Church is celebrating the Feast of the Baptism of the Lord, which means that it's the end of the Christmas season here in the U.S. Now, keep in mind that in, in other places in the world, uh, like in Rome and some Hispanic and other European countries, the traditional end of the Christmas season is the Feast of the Presentation of the Lord on February 2nd. So if you want to do the way they do it in Rome, you can keep your Christmas decorations up for just a, a few more days or weeks and not feel guilty about it. I want to bring in our morning air team, Glenn and Sarah. Glenn, what are a few of the big stories making headlines on this Monday morning? Well, we won't be talking about a government shutdown here most likely anytime soon. Congressional leaders have a budget agreement keeping things going through fiscal 2024. The Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and Speaker of the House Mike Johnson made that announcement. How much do we spend in a fiscal year? Nearly $1.7 trillion. That's what the deal was announced yesterday, John. Yeah, that's $1.7 trillion with a T. So uh, it's good to see that the... Uh, the two uh, the leaders of uh, of the Senate House uh, come together. You know, we always uh, joke about how they always seem to find a way to avert these shutdowns. Yeah, and uh, not waiting till the very last moment this time. So uh, that's that's probably some good news. Elsewhere, just a wild story. Uh, happily, everyone was safe. But in Alaska Airlines flight from Portland to Ontario, California, Friday, part of the plane blew out. Now, in the design of this uh, Boeing Max seven thirty seven. Uh, it can be used as a door, but they didn't really use it as a door. Use it just as a window. I had a seat next to it, but uh, the portion that would have been a door blew out at about sixteen thousand feet in the air. Very luckily, no one was in the seat right next to that, and they actually found uh, several pieces of the wreckage uh, in in Portland. This happened about ten minutes uh, into the flight at sixteen thousand feet. Uh, the masks came down, and people had. Time to take video, and you saw a lot of, uh, you know, <laughs> video looking right out the hole. Just crazy. But luckily, no one was hurt. But uh, yeah, that just, you know, another reason to keep your seat belt buckled when you're in your seat. Can you imagine the tear from those people on the plane? Uh, Sarah, can you imagine being on a plane and having something like that happen? Uh, look, I tell my kids all the time, stay buckled. I, I kind of remind them, like, jokingly, I don't have a great re driving record, but can you imagine that? See, this, always listen to your mother. Stay buckled. That's ridiculous. And uh, they apparently they, they found uh, uh, two cell phones that were sucked out of the plane and uh, headrests and uh, uh, parts of a, of a tray missing from the plane. So uh, this this uh, the part that they found... Um, this door plug, uh, do, do you think this will give any clues as to what may have happened? Yeah, again, it was kind of the way the uh, plane is is designed. Uh, it originally 
was a spot to be used as a door, but they, you know, didn't necessarily like under the skin of the plane. It still has the, the door features in it, but they were just using it as a as a window. And pretty much the exact outline of that blew out, so they uh, have a bit of an idea. But yeah, that's still not supposed to be happening. So Alaska Airlines grounded all those uh, those particular. Uh, types of aircraft that they have, uh, the NTSB, uh, for a while looking at that, too. Meanwhile, uh, the big story in the sports world uh, today, uh, the big game tonight. Uh, Glenn, are you ready? I'm ready. I'm totally ready. I'm totally ready for what the uh, the future Big Ten championship game will look like because uh, Washington uh, joining the Big Ten next year, but... Uh, yeah, two undefeateds going at it. Uh, you're Michigan and Washington tonight. Yes, undefeated. Both of them 14-0. and 0, uh, Number one ranked Michigan Wolverines against the second ranked Washington Huskies. They'll be squaring off tonight in Houston on the biggest stage for the college football playoff national championship. Michigan outlasted number four Alabama Christian Tide 27-20 in a dramatic overtime win at the Rose Bowl on New Year's Day that clinched the Wolverines' first ever appearance in the college football playoff national championship game as heard on ESPN. Three Michigan tight ends in the ball game. They handed to Corey McGann and makes the cut. First down. Spence to scores. Blake Corey puts Michigan on top in overtime. That's Williams in motion. Low snap. Melrose stopped. Michigan makes a stand and comes up with a milestone playoff victory. And meanwhile, the Washington Huskies held on to defeat Texas 37-31 in the Sugar Bowl from New Orleans. Texas trailing all night long. One last chance to advance to the national championship game. Ewers loves it up, and it is incomplete. Intended for Mitchell. Elijah Jackson had the coverage. Washington hangs on and wins the All-State Sugar Bowl in the college football playoff semifinal. And so, Glenn, the, the stage is set for the big game uh, tonight. You know, I've been uh, waiting for this uh, since New Year's Day, and uh, you could say I'm a little bit excited. You know, it's, it, it's hard to take uh, the former sports reporter, sports anchor part out of me. Yeah, you don't get excited about much, but this is something you are excited about, I can tell. Now, now are you going to be able to take a nap so you can stay up late? Tonight? That is the plan. Uh, take a little nap this afternoon, uh, maybe a little longer than usual, uh, so that m- perhaps I might be able to actually make it through uh, this big game. You know, normally I, I usually end up falling asleep before the, the games are over, but who knows? It all depends on how the first half uh, looks, uh, Glenn. I can tell you that this is a, is, it's a big matchup. Uh, it features uh, two of college football's winners his programs in Michigan, uh, Michigan with the uh, uh, the most wins in college football history against one of the Pac-12's original power programs in Washington. It'll be the Wolverines' best defense in, in the nation against the Huskies with the most exciting offense led by quarterback Michael Penix uh, versus Michigan QB J.J. McCarthy. Uh, you can't rule out J.J. McCarthy. Glenn, the guy is 26-1 and as a starter. So uh, defense against offense, uh, Michigan will be going for uh, their first national championship since the 1997 season, which I got to cover back in my uh, Detroit Fox two days. And uh, the Huskies will be playing for their first ever national championship in program history. So uh, big, big game. We'll definitely talk about it uh, uh, tomorrow morning. And uh, as we speak, Michigan is a four and a half point favorite. 
And I like how, uh, you know, we were able to avoid talking about the Vikings or the Bears. Uh, that's, uh, that's pretty good. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yes. You know, let's just say uh, we both uh, share in our respective uh, pain with our own beloved teams. <laughs> hey, that might be a, a prospective Viking quarterback for the future there, Mr. Penix from Washington. So we'll, we'll see how that works out. You never know. That, that guy is sensational. You know, they, they have a, a first-round NFL uh, caliber uh, quarterback in Penix. Uh, he was the Heisman Trophy uh, runner-up uh, once again this year. They also have three NFL-quality qu- uh, wide receivers. So Michigan's defense will have their hands uh, full uh, tonight, uh, no question about it. But uh, back to the, uh, uh, the Bears and the Vikings. Um, I, I, I can tell you that uh, Dave Durant is probably smiling from ear to ear as his uh, as his Green Bay Packers uh, looked really really impressive and uh, and made it into the playoffs. They finally they got that last uh, spot. Yeah, Sarah's is going to have to be ready to possibly turn his mic off on Wednesday morning around seven thirty central. We'll have him on standby. He might be a guest. We'll see. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, all of these predictions uh, from all of these uh, uh, sports analysts, it doesn't mean a thing until you play the game on the field. So we'll see what actually happens uh, tonight, Glenn. All right, time machine going back 25 years for John in his heyday, and looking forward to that tonight. May the best team win. I love it. Uh, Go maize and blue. That's all I can say. All right. We begin every morning uh, in prayer, always giving thanks to our Lord for all the many blessings. And we always pray through the intercession of the Mother of God, our Blessed Mother Mary, as we continue to pray for peace in the world. Uh, we pray especially for peace in the Middle East and in Ukraine, peace in our nation, peace in our church, and especially peace in our families. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, patroness of the Americas, a patroness of the unborn and of relevant radio, pray for us. St. Joseph, patron of the Universal Church, Pray for us. St. Pope John Paul II, co-patron of Relevant Radio, pray for us. And we invoke the Holy Spirit uh, in a special way every morning here on the show when we pray, come Holy Spirit, come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Our power scripture from the Playbook of Life this morning is from Mark 1.11. A voice came from the heavens, you are my beloved Son, With you, I am well pleased. On this feast of the baptism of the Lord, listen to the words of Pope Francis, who said on Sunday that if you do not know the date of your baptism, you need to look it up so that you can celebrate the anniversary of becoming a child of God and an heir to the kingdom of heaven. The Holy Father went on to say that the anniversary of one's baptism should be celebrated each year just like a birthday. Uh, On this last day of the Christmas season, we should count our blessings and thank the Lord for our own baptism. Baptism, and we always pray with great confidence from the chaplet of divine mercy, Jesus, I trust in you. We need to take uh, a short break when we come back. Uh, uh, Teresa Cervantes Barber, the assistant editor for Alatea, will be with us to talk about living daily heroic virtue, and she'll uh, share with us uh, her own uh, story of a quiet uh, heroism of winter morning. So stay with us. Uh, There is much more to come. We are just uh, getting going here on this Monday edition of Morning Air on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app. 
Bringing the light of Christ to start your day. This is Morning Air. Jump into the conversation. Call 888-914-9149. 888-914-9149. On Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. When I wake up in the morning, love. And the sunlight hurts my eyes. And something without warning, love. Bears heavy on my mind. What a perfect uh, tune to, to set up our next guest. Uh, welcome back to Morning Air on the Feast of the Baptism of the Lord. I'm John Morales, along with Glenn and Sarah. Thank you so much for joining us here on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app. We can still say Merry Christmas all day long today as uh, the Christmas season, uh, in many ways, sadly, is coming to an end. As always, you can send us an email directly if you have any thoughts or story ideas you want to run by. It's morningair at relevantradio.com. You can find us on social media on X, formerly Twitter. Our handle is at Morning Air Show as well as on Facebook. And our toll-free line, if you want to be part of the program, 888-914-9149, sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters. That's 888-914-9149. Now, this morning, we're going to talk about living heroic virtue in our everyday lives. We all know that we're called to grow in holiness and ultimately to become saints and to get to heaven. In fact, the Catholic Church teaches uh, about the universal call to holiness in ordinary life. Holiness is not just for canonized saints. It's for every one of us as well. What does the term heroic virtue actually mean uh, for those of us who are trying to love our families and uh, to grow in holiness day by day. Joining us live from Downers Grove, Illinois, uh, in suburban Chicago, is Teresa Savantos Barber, the assistant editor for Elatea, uh, who a while back wrote a very interesting article called Reflecting Upon the Quiet Heroism of Winter Mornings. Teresa has worked as an editor uh, for uh, Regnery Publishing, uh, University of Chicago, and Midwest Theological Forum, and she and her husband and four kids uh, live uh, in Downers Grove, Illinois. Good morning, Teresa. Welcome to Morning Air. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. It, it is great to be with you here on the show for the first time. Good morning, John. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here with you guys. Well, I have you know that uh, I was really moved by your article that you wrote, uh, Reflecting Upon the Quiet Heroism of Winter Meetings. Can you share a little bit about the the story that inspired you to, to write this? Absolutely. So I was driving back from the gym one morning, and it was 6 a.m. in Chicago, dark, you know, pitch blackout, below zero temperatures, freezing cold, And as I'm driving, I'm right ahead of the bus that goes up to the local train station to catch that express train to downtown Chicago. And I noticed that every bus stop, there was like one or two men standing out there with a briefcase or a backpack. And I slowly realized, oh my gosh, these are all these dads heading to work. You know, maybe they're not all dads, but in my neighborhood, probably a lot are. And they've probably got little kids at home, wife at home, and they're out in this freezing cold dark every day doing this commute. And it actually really connected me to my own husband, who does the same commute every day, but I kind of was taking it for granted, not even thinking about it, not even appreciating that he does this for us every day. And so it really inspired me to be grateful um, for this sacrifice he makes for our family and also to just appreciate all the all the dads and moms and, you know, anyone who's doing these little act, acts of 
sacrifice and love every day to care for their family and go out in the cold and the dark like that. Well, just the fact that you uh, are in the gym that early in the morning, that you'd be coming <laughs> back at six in the morning, that's that's impressive there, Teresa. <laughs> oh, gosh, John, my family was teasing me that the real reason I wrote the article was to mention that. <laughs> that is hysterical. Oh, man. <laughs> well, I got to tell you that your article, uh, when I read it, it really hit home uh, uh, for me uh, because I get up at 345 uh, in the morning every single uh, day. And by the grace of God, and I say it by the grace of God because because by nature, I am not a morning person. I am totally a night owl. From my many years as a sports reporter, have you caught any of our sports chatter there about the big Michigan-Washington game at the at the at the beginning of the of the show? Uh, yeah, uh, getting up that early in the morning is is really uh, been uh, a challenge. Uh, but uh, I I do it like so many other uh, fathers and mothers. Uh, we do it, uh, you know, through through rain, through sleet, through blizzards. You know, you know, scraping the snow off the car at, uh, you know, quarter to five in the morning. We do it out of love. And I think that that is so much of of what that article really uh, meant to me that you wrote. Yes, absolutely. You know, one friend said to me, are you sure that these people are motivated out of love? People might be just doing it because they're trying to you know, get out of some kind of selfishness or something. But I said to myself, I know what's motivating my husband to do this and it's love for his family. And I, and you same, same situation and myself when I'm, you know, getting out there in the morning. Um, and I know that it's love that's driving us. And when we let love be the thing that lights our way, lights our path, it becomes something holy. You know, it's not something that we're just doing because we got to do it daily grind. It becomes something beautiful. It's a gift we can give to God. Well, I got to tell you, I, I mentioned moms and dads that that, uh, that get up early, uh, you know, out of love for their families. But uh, our very own uh, studio producer, uh, Sarah, I mean, I drive 15 minutes. She drives about an hour all the way from Joliet every, every morning. You, you talk about virtue. Wow. Yes, that's incredible. And it's so easy to start taking these things for granted and, and you know, not even realize what a sacrifice especially if it's like your loved ones. And I, I kept thinking, I want to be grateful. I want to be grateful that my husband is doing this. Um, yes. And to remember to offer that gift. Um, yeah, it's incredible. We can take it for granted, but that's one of the things that, you know, I talk here about uh, the, the catechism actually defines heroic virtue or Catholic encyclopedia as a habit of good conduct that has become a second nature. And that was so interesting to me because in my head, I thought, Oh, heroic virtue, you know, some rare one time big, one-off event, but that it actually feels like second nature because you do it every day, you know, um, that's incredible to me. And I just wanted to, you know, shed some light on that. That's something that I hadn't thought of it that way before. Well, I want to bring in uh, Sarah here on the other side of the glass because you talk about heroic virtue, uh, driving all the way from Joliet to our studios in Lincolnshire. And, you know, you're in the Chicago area. That's a long way. Well, I think uh, you're you're impressed easily, John. So this is good. Um, (laughs) We're impressing you. But, uh, you know, know, I never thought of it that way either, Teresa. And I'm thinking about it as you're, you're saying it now, you know, you're building up these habits that you don't even realize that you're building up that, you know, like you said, stem from love. You know, th- this is a, a need that my, the job that I have, it requires me to get up at this time and, and drive and you just do it. And then over time you, you are, you're flexing the muscles, getting them ready for when you actually have to do other things that require heroic virtue. Well, Hey, you've been doing it all along. So it's good to know that I have been. So, Hey, maybe I'm stronger than <laughs> I think. I like it. Yes. Yes. I love it. Yes. It's like those little 
day-by-day choices to do that hard, good thing builds up. And then when something really big, unexpected comes along, you're ready. You've got those muscles built up. I love it. Well, Teresa, I need to build up uh, more of my uh, gym muscles that apparently you have because I'm just, <laughs> I got to get back into that habit. And I'm, 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 I am working on it. It is part of my New Year's resolution, but uh, off to a slow start here so far. Uh, I think we'll be picking up the pace here as the weeks go on in January. <laughs> Oh, I love it. You know what? I joke that I do it to get through the winters because, uh, you know, those endorphins make you so happy. So if you struggle with, you know, the cold, the dark, any of that seasonal depression, um, getting in the gym just makes you so happy the rest of the day. So hang in there. (laughs) Well, you know, uh, there's a lot that we can learn uh, from, uh, you know, exercise that uh, that carries over into the spiritual life. And, you know, you mentioned the uh, the definition of heroic virtue uh, by the, the Catholic Encyclopedia, um, a, a habit being a good conduct that's become a second nature. Uh, th- this heroic virtue is not just uh, for uh, the uh, well-known, uh, you know, canonized, canonized saints. Every single one of us is supposed to, to try to, to grow in heroic uh, virtues. Uh, we're all supposed to try to be saints a- at the end of our lives. Yes, yes, it's beautiful. It's, it's that universal call to holiness. You know, something that we see so many of the saints speak of, St. John Paul II, St. Jose Maria Escriva, you know, that this is for everyone. It's not for, you know... That one person out on a mountain, you know, a hermit or something, you know, um, we're right here. You know, you're, we're driving, you know, the highways of Chicago. We're at the gym, you know, right, right in daily life. And it's every one of us. Yes, I love that. Uh, in your uh, article, you, you shared a T.S. Eliot's four uh, quartets as, as a description of living daily heroic uh, virtue. Can you share that with our, with our listeners? Yes, absolutely. He speaks of practicing a lifetime's death in love, ardor and selflessness and self-surrender. And when I read those words, I thought a lifetime's death in love. That's, you know, at the time I had all my kids were really little. And I was like, oh, that's what it's like getting up every night, you know, to care for the baby in the middle of the night, changing all those diapers, you know, picking up after the toddlers. Um, It's a lifetime's death in love, but it applies to so many situations, you know, whatever, whatever vocation a person's in, if it's being done with that love and that, that little act of death to self, the sacrifice, the surrender, that is part of all of our lives, right? You can't get away from it. Um, you know, no one's free from, from all those sacrifices, but when they're done with that love and turning towards God, you know, it's not just the daily grind, but it's something beautiful. It's a gift we can give God. No, no question about it. Do, do you think that uh, it's a good practice to, to say thank you, uh, to, to have gratitude in one's heart uh, for our spouses and our loved ones uh, who do some of these uh, quiet acts of love uh, day in and day out? Absolutely. And, you know, that was really what motivated me to even write the article in the first place, because seeing these guys at the bus stop made me realize, oh, my gosh, my husband does this every day. And I I rarely thank him for it. And, you know, it's so easy, as, especially as a stay-at-home mom, to just think, oh, I do so much for the family. I'm home with the kids. He gets to go off to work. But no, he's sacrificing just as much in a different way. And it was such a wake-up call to me to be grateful to him and, and to think about, gosh, instead of just thinking about what I'm doing for my family, let me look at what my husband's doing and thank him and even notice what my friends are doing and thank them for that, too, because... 
um, when I see those sacrifices they're making for their family, it encourages and inspires me to give more to my own family. And, you know, a lot of times when you see the saints or really holy people, they kind of come in groups. You know, they inspire and encourage each other. And I love to think that, you know, my friends, my family, we can do that for each other um, and inspire each other to do those acts of of sacrifice and love and holiness. You know, um, I feel like... um every one of us has a, has a different mission in life. You know, not everybody is called, uh, you know, to get up super early in the morning and, and, and go to work. Obviously the moms have a, a different uh, mission in life, but every one of us has a unique mission that our Lord has called us to do. Can, can maybe, can you share a few thoughts on, on that idea? Yes, absolutely. It, you know, holiness is going to look different for every person. And I always like to think of something Pope Benedict said. He said, there are as many ways to heaven as there are people. And I think about that all the time. You know, your path to holiness, my path to holiness, they're going to be different. But what's what's the key? What's the secret? It's doing our daily acts with love. It's um, putting others before ourselves. It's you know, that close relationship with God and all these things come together, you know, living that gospel message um, in our own way, you know, and each of the saints is so different. It's beautiful when you look at them, the diversity and um, of them is incredible because each one was so different. Um, but, but their examples can just show us how in our own way, in our own daily lives, we can find our own way to spread, you know, God's message, God's love and live with holiness. I love um, Pope Benedict's words. Uh, I keep a little ho- holy card here in, in studio uh, uh, f- with the words of St. Francis de Sales, who said, doing little things with uh, a strong desire to please God makes them really great. And I think it's, again, it's it's a reminder of it's the little things that every one of us uh, can do uh, that can sanctify whatever it is that we do. Yes, absolutely. It puts me in mind of Mother Teresa. She would always say those small things with great love, right? And uh, yes, that's that's really it, right? And for so many of us, we're not out there doing something that most people would consider, you know, a huge act, you know. Um, it's it's those little daily acts, but it's, you know, the attitude is so big because am I doing this grumbling and, you know, oh gosh, I got to do this again. Or am I doing this like, I, this is my chance to serve my family and through serving them to serve Christ. You know, um, how can this be an act of love? Well, to Teresa, if if you're growing in virtue, if you're if you're trying to live a life of heroic virtue, that means plucking out the vices that creep up in our lives as well. Maybe a, a, a thought on how we can overcome some of those vices and grow in virtue here in this new year. You know, that's that's the tricky one, right? Because nobody wants to sit there and say, "Oh, where can I improve?" But uh, to me, that honesty is so important. I think one of the biggest things is just being really honest with yourself and listening to, you know, listening as as impartially as you can to criticism or not even, you know, not something necessarily super harsh. But maybe if your spouse says, "Gosh, I wish you could help me out with this," or or a friend says, "You know, oh, I'm, you know." I, I could really use some help with that. Like, where can we grow, you know? Um, and to take those things seriously, if like a friend or family member has mentioned something that they could use some help with or that they would appreciate if you worked on, um, you know, it, it can be hard to hear. Um, but to be honest with ourselves and, and take that as fairly as we can, as openly as we can. And, um, you know, and it takes a lot of self-reflection, you know, an examination of conscience does so much, a good examination of conscience. Um, so yeah, that's, that's always hard. Nobody wants to think about, you know, what am I doing wrong or where can I grow? But we got to be honest with ourselves. 
Well, there's many good habits uh, that we can uh, practice here in this new year. And uh, just one I want to throw out there that for me has really made a big difference uh, to start the day uh, with a little heroic virtue, and that is just the simple morning offering. I mean, you can do it in, in less than a minute, and it's something that uh, I do just now naturally. It's become such an important part uh, of my morning. You know, as soon as I pop out of the bed, uh, it's the sign of the cross and, and giving thanks and doing the morning offering in front of the crew. And uh, that sets the tone for the whole day. Yes, that's beautiful. I love that. Those little things that, you know, can take less than a minute, but it changes everything. It just changes everything. It's such a beautiful example. Absolutely. Well, it's great to to have you on the show here for the first time. Where can our listeners uh, read uh, your wonderful article, Reflecting Upon the Quiet Heroism of Winter Mornings? Thank you so much, Sean. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. I love being on and getting to chat with Sarah as well. And so great to, yeah, good to talk to you. Yeah, they, they can uh, find uh, your article at alatea.org? Yes. Excellent. Well, keep up the good work. Alatea is bringing so many people to Christ and making a difference for time and for eternity. So I really appreciate what you guys do. Thank you so much, Sean. You guys as well. So grateful we have Relevant Radio here uh, locally in Chicago. It's a gift. Absolutely. We're all on the same team. Thank you so much. Uh, Teresa Cervantes-Barber, the assistant editor uh, for Alatea.org. We need to take a short pause. When we come back, Catholic author and speaker Emily Jaminet will uh, be with us uh, to share the best advice that uh, she's been given uh, in terms of living out her Catholic faith here at the beginning of the new year. And uh, it's a a virtual uh, roadmap for spiritual enrichment. So stay with us. Much more of Morning Air uh, straight ahead here on this Monday morning on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app. Wake up, America. It's Morning Air. Your home for faith, fun, and news in the morning. One foot in front of the other. One foot in front of the other. And welcome back to Morning Air on the Feast of the Baptism of the Lord, marking the last day of the Christmas season here in America. I'm John Morales, along with Glenn and producer Sarah. Thanks so much for joining us on this Monday here on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app. You can send us an email directly. It's morningair at relevantradio.com. Our toll-free line, if you want to be part of the program, is 888-914-9149, sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters. That's 888-914-9149. Now, this morning, let me ask you a question. What is the best advice that uh, you've ever been given when it comes to living out your Catholic faith? Living out our Catholic faith is so much more than the bare bone minimums, like going to Mass on Sundays or going to confession once a year. Have you made a spiritual New Year's resolution? And if you have, how's it going so far? Joining us live uh, this morning is Morning Air regular contributor Emily Geminet with much more on the best advice uh, given to her in living out her Catholic faith in in 2024, it's a roadmap to spiritual enrichment. Emily uh, is a Catholic author, speaker, radio personality, wife, podcaster, and the mother of seven children. She's also the executive director of Welcome His Heart 
Com. Emily is also the author of several books, including uh, her uh, latest book uh, that uh, came out this past year, uh, Holy Habits from the Sacred Heart. Good morning, Emily. I can still say Merry Christmas for one more day. Thanks so much uh, for joining us. It is great to be with you on this last day, sadly, of Christmas. Good morning, John and everyone. It is great to be here. And you know, the Christmas season, uh, you know, sets a light within us for the whole year. So even if we don't say Merry Christmas, carrying the light of Christ is important. And, you know, I love that we're going to talk a little bit about our best advice given to us because, John, I love when people give me advice. I grew up in a family where we got a lot of advice. And as a mom of seven, I, I do enjoy passing it on to my children as well. <laughs> I think that uh, advice is, is is a beautiful thing uh, because I, if you if you have true wisdom, you seek out counsel uh, and you seek advice from other people that may be able to share something to you. So uh, I you know I I can't begin to tell you all the different uh, people in my life that have influenced me in terms of uh, my career and my spiritual life. Uh, I, I do is look at uh, Pope St. John Paul II, uh, for starters, uh, just uh, him as a, as a role model and as an example for me, um, you know, ha has been fantastic. For me as well. And just finding people that you look up to might be um, a fellow Catholic right in the pew, your parents, your aunt, your uncle, your grandparents, or, you know, even just reading the lives of the saints, you can you can glean a lot of great advice by the lessons that they've learned. And sometimes it's through the hard knocks of life that we can learn lessons. And I think it's important to be open, especially um, to the advice through the, the virtue of docility, for example, of not being so stubborn or prideful that we, we maybe miss learning a lesson along the way. So I'd love to share some advice that's made a huge difference in my own um, faith life and my ministry life and, and really navigating uh, the spiritual life as a wife and mother of seven. Well, Emily, uh, your advice is very practical and uh, let's get right to it. What is the uh, first piece of, of advice that, uh, that you've been given that uh, really helps in, li in living out our Catholic faith? the importance of when we eat, we pray. <laughs> I know it sounds so simple, John, but food, you know, oftentimes we, we get so excited to nourish our body that we forget to pause and give praise and thanksgiving to the Lord. And um, that simple habit, that piece of advice that has been with me um, since a child, I realized we really need to recling to that, especially in the new year. To um, It's an opportunity to grow bonds within the family of pausing and praying before we eat. It's a reminder that even in our home, it can be a very fast food model where you slop the food out, everybody quickly eats, and then they're they're out the door or moving on to the next activity. But slowing down and beginning a meal in prayer, and if you're go doing a good job at that, ending the meal in prayer as well. I really recommend that. That is fabulous advice. And uh, it reminds me that even when you're in a fast food restaurant or any kind of restaurant for that matter, um, even if you're out in public with all kinds of people around you, 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 you should be, uh, you know, be not afraid, be bold about, uh, you know, crossing yourself and, uh, and, praying uh, and giving thanks, you know, saying grace before a meal. doesn't matter if you're in a McDonald's or a fancy restaurant. You're right. And, you know, in our family culture, we always pray at the, uh, our blessing, we include the sacred heart. We pray for the poor. We pray for the poor souls. So it's a positive reminder and it's something worth passing on. And 
when we remember when we do the sign of the cross, we're praying in the prayer of the Trinity. And that's really important that we invoke the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in all that we do. But I really believe in teaching children to pause and pray. It's not just about the the nourishment that comes from the food, but the growth that comes from praying together before you eat. It's a great piece of advice. I want to open up our phone lines here in the in the brief moments that, that we have you and invite our listeners. What's the best advice that you've ever uh, been given when it comes to our Catholic faith? Uh, uh, have you made a spiritual New Year's resolution? We'd love uh, to hear from you. We're taking your calls for Catholic author and speaker Emily Geminet on our toll-free line at 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Now, Emily, what about making Sundays uh, a special day, the best day of the week? Well, John, I have to admit, there was a time in my life where Sunday was a really challenging day. Just getting to Mass, you know, it felt exhausting just by the time we arrived, getting all the kids ready. But what I realized was a lot of it was my attitude and my perspective. So elevating the Lord's Day to the best day of the week, reminding the children we get to go to Mass, not that we have to go to Mass, making sure our language lines up with the gift of our Catholic faith. So, um, for example, in our house, you know, just making sure that I have all the food in the house to have a nice brunch, for example, a family dinner, we gather around, we support each other, um, even in a, a little sporting event, you know, we all participate and watch that youngest, maybe play a little basketball or do an activity and slowing down the pace. Oftentimes we sit before our fireplace as a family, play a game or just continue to um, be together, to set ourselves up for the rest of the week. I think that is such a wonderful advice. Uh, and obviously, it should come naturally to us as Catholics. But unfortunately, you know, oftentimes, you know, we get caught up in the hustle and bustle of, of daily life. And, and Sundays uh, can look just like the, almost any other day. So it does need to be set aside. It needs to be holy. It needs to be special. It needs to be the Lord's day. And, you know, uh, oftentimes, you know, on a Sunday, I'll see all the stores and the gas stations and everything. Everything open, and it reminds me when I was a kid, and in fact, even you know, years ago, um, that wasn't the case. You know, even businesses used to be uh, closed. Uh, like, um, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of what uh, Sarah. What's the the, the favorite uh, chicken place? Chick fil A. Chick fil A. Thank you. Chick -fil -A. Hobby Lobby also. Closed. Yeah, Hobby Lobby. Exactly. Uh, obviously, uh, these these uh, businesses uh, they get it, and and they they make Sunday special. I agree. And, you know, oftentimes we're tempted to talk about the Sunday night blues. So instead of focusing on the blues, focus on the joy, the gift of the Lord's Day and put your energy on on celebrating and, and really making sure that day is special. And I promise you, it will be the best advice, not just going to Mass, but making the entire day a beautiful gift to connect with others, especially through hospitality. All right, what's the next uh, practical advice for living out our Catholic faith? Well, I realized a long time ago, and it was shared to me that I can't just focus on cultivating a prayer life for my family, especially my children, but it's both and, focusing on a personal prayer life and also the the overall culture of your family by praying together. So um, the best advice came when my brother who is a Catholic priest of my diocese um, here in Ohio, shared, he said, I, I was feeling a bit overwhelmed by all my children and responsibilities and tasks at hand. 
and he asked me if I had prayed that day. And I said, basically, I was just so busy. I was too busy. And he looked at me with such kindness and he said, you can't afford not to pray. And I realized that all the good things I was doing, all the tasks, all the caring for the children and even praying with the children, it relied also on personal prayer. So I love to think about it both and, and if you're feeling a bit overwhelmed or exhausted, remember that God is continuing to pour out new graces upon us each day. So don't cast the season that you're in in life, you know, with with a color of gray, but rather ask the Lord for those graces like we can find on Lamentations 3, 22 to 23. The Lord's acts of mercy are not exhausted. His compassion is not spent. They are renewed each morning. Great is your faithfulness. So renewing your graces through prayer. Well, first of all, you're very blessed to have a brother that's a Catholic priest, Emily, and I think his advice, you can't afford not to pray, is uh, is very, very uh, powerful. It reminds me of another priest uh, a while back who once said something that I, that I remember. He said, we should pray at least a half an hour a day, every day. And if you're really busy, make it an hour. I agree. Can you the think? busier I get, I agree. Yes. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, it sounds, you know, challenging, but uh, I mean, I think that that's what it means to really make, uh, you know, praying uh, a priority. And, and, you know, if you go to daily mass, if you make it to daily mass, automatically the whole mass is a prayer. There, there's a half an hour right there without even doing anything else. Well, the more that you pray, the more you're going to want to pray. And, you know, John, I got to admit, the, the way that I'm able to accomplish a lot of the ministry work is by ditching television. <laughs> I realized I didn't have time. It wasted a lot of time in the evening. So instead, I'm able to get up early and get my personal prayer time in before I start packing lunches and getting everyone ready for school and, and getting to work myself. So I, you know, just ask the Lord, you know, where, where can I carve out more time for prayer? Don't be, don't be stuck in, in maybe a rut, but rather, you know, let this new year be an opportunity for an increased amount of time of prayer. And in fact, uh, that is another one of uh, your uh, pieces of advice, uh, ditch detrimental habits of which TV, if you're, if you're you know, uh, addicted to it, that would be one of them that, uh, that we can get rid of. You know, I think in this culture, we have distractions, not only outside of our home, but at every opportunity, every time we turn around the corner, we can be pulled into something that's that's distracting us from really important tasks, not just prayer, but our duty, our work, um, our responsibilities. I recently was reading a study about, you know, just how parents aren't actually as diligent because they are so distracted by their phone. And they were talking about the number of just even little injuries that take place because you're looking at your phone or you're watching something. So it's a great, great time to ditch those habits. And, you know, the thing I love about Jesus and our faith is that our God is so good. He, his kingdom lies in our heart. He loves us so much. And when we start to ditch these habits and grow in holiness, we're actually a lot happier and a lot easier to be around. So your family is going to benefit. Your employer is going to benefit. Those are people are going to benefit when we we ditch those habits. But, you know, negative speech, such as excessive screen time, like we mentioned, anger, resentment. Maybe we just hold grudges and um, we, we through prayer and then through really focusing on virtue. I think virtue is essential that we make it a priority that we want to look like you know, a better Christian 
and live it out in our faith in our heart as well. What about invoking the Holy Spirit uh, to help us uh, to uh, pluck uh, these uh, detrimental habits, uh, you know, from from our everyday life? Uh, we can't rely on the Holy Spirit, you know, enough. We need to continue to invoke the Holy Spirit. And what I love about when you pray to the Holy Spirit is, you know, oftentimes there are these moments that you might say are coincidence if you're a secular person, or you would say it was a God incident, you know, that that the Holy Spirit revealed what you need to know. And, and that's something in which I, I love the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I love to see them um, in other people because it's so attractive. And hopefully, if I continue on this path, you know, I can be an example to first uh, my family and those around me and then to others as well. So I can't say enough about invoking the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. Uh, Emily, you have one final uh, practical piece of advice uh, for us this morning on uh, living out our Catholic faith. Well, I think the last thing I want to say is that oftentimes we might be in a rut on how we're praying. Maybe it's just always asking the Lord for something. And I, I just think that little acronym of ACTS is a great reminder of a structure for setting up your prayer life and teaching it to others. So first, adoration, you know, adoring the Lord, giving praise to the Lord is so important. It sets us on the right foot. And then the C stands for confession, you know, doing an, I love to say a deep dive look in your heart and seeing the things that you need to confess to the Lord. Each day we're invited to examine our conscience and to see the areas that need to get plucked out. And then obviously going to the sacrament as well. And then the T stands for thankfulness. You know, that's when we really pour out our thankfulness and grow in gratitude and perspective. And then after we do that, the S stands for supplication, asking the Lord for the things that we need. But you find out if you follow this particular formula, it's a great way to enter deeper into prayer and, of course, um, reading scripture and, and you know, having that that time of, of reflection, even, even just meditative prayer. But this little axe has been great advice for me as a busy mom that I don't just focus on my needs, but I, I find um, a depth in this way of praying. Well, as a mom of uh, seven children, you know uh, good well uh, that uh, a family that prays together stays uh, together. Those famous words of Father Peyton that Father Rocky repeats every single day here uh, during uh, the Family Rosary Across America on Relevant Radio. My best advice is it's worth it. It's worth it. Take your children to Mass, get your grandchildren, to, grandkids to Mass, and cultivate a life of prayer when they're young. And I promise you, you will reap the benefits, especially when you pass the faith on with the loving heart of Jesus, where Jesus works through your heart and shares that love with others. And I just can't be any more passionate about you know the fruits that I see when people do that. So it's it's formation, it's love, it's adoration, and uh, continue to just press on. <laughs> Thanks so much, uh, Emily. Really appreciate you being with us as always. Many blessings uh, to you uh, the rest of this new year. Morning Air contributor Emily Gemini, the executive director of WelcomeHisHeart.com. And it's now time for another episode of Glenn Story Corner. As we talked earlier this hour about the everyday things. Our story today, The Real MVP by Bill Young. I realized something while watching It's a Wonderful Life recently. It was something I missed the first 3,317 or so times I watched it. 
It's that I think the hero of the story isn't George, it's Mary. The movie starts off with Mary praying for God to be with George. Her prayer and others is the catalyst for the angel Clarence being sent to George. Mary's the one who sees the beauty of the old broken down house. It's full of romance, that old place. George sees empty space. Mary sees a space that can be filled with a family's love. That's why George kisses the broken banister knob in the end. He finally sees what Mary always saw in that house. Mary saw it on the day of their wedding. She was the one who transformed the house into the honeymoon suite. Of course, that happened after she had the idea to offer her $2,000 in honeymoon money to the people of the town on the bank run. Now, when George is depressed by his friends moving onward and upward in the world and thinks he's a disappointment to his wife because of it, Mary makes it clear that she didn't want to marry anybody else in town. Never complaining, she worked day after day remaking the old Granville house into a home, this while having four children and running the USO. Finally, Mary's the one who goes all over town to ask for help for her husband. Uncle Billy remarks, Mary did it, George, Mary did it. I'd never noticed her expression before when Uncle Billy says this. She's in the background as he says it, and she mouths no while shaking her head and moving further into the background. It's an incredibly subtle but important feature of her character. Do good for others, but let others receive the credit. She moves fully into the background so everyone giving money to George can come front and center. It was all orchestrated by Mary, but she fades into the background. Now look at the picture where Mary again is in the background, positioned over George's shoulder. The one watching over George all these years was Mary. She was as much a guardian angel to George as Clarence was. In the end, George was a good man, even a great one. He was, after all, the richest man in town. But would he have accomplished all he did and been the man he was without Mary? I think the answer is definitely not. And there are many such Marys in this world who quietly go about offering their prayers, works and sufferings, raising their children, praying for their husbands and making them ten times the men they would have been without them. Most of their deeds won't be known this side of heaven. Until they're known, we, the Georges of this world, offer to you Marys our profound thank you. And we promise to keep trying to lasso the moon for you. You deserve nothing less. Genesis 2.18, the Lord God said, It's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suited to him. As always, thanks so much, Glenn. A great meditation on one of my all-time favorite Christmas movies, It's a Wonderful Life. Coming up next hour here on Morning Air, our spiritual director, Father Burke Masters, will be with us to talk about the meaning of today's feast, the baptism of the Lord. Plus, you'll hear my conversation with a Catholic author and Bible teacher, Jeff Cavins, the founding host of Morning Air, who talked to me about reading the Bible in this new year. So stay with us. There is much more to come in our number two on this Monday edition of Morning Air here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. 